Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. Welcome to part two of my series review of The Fly with Return of the Fly, the 1959 follow-up to the 1958 original. We once again see firsthand that man is destined for disaster when dabbling in that which he shouldn't. Though given how the original film ended, though given how the original film ended, could a sequel developed just a year later deliver similar scares and intrigue? Let's find out. The business of sequels has always been a tricky predicament within the horror genre. Given horror films notoriously low budget, there's always been an added emphasis to cash in on the popularity of a film by releasing a sequel within the subsequent year or two. This has created ill will with fans as sequels would often be greenlit whether or not there was a story worth continuing. This was a predicament that was around long before slashers would garner the reputation of churning out so many sequels that fans often joked a series would eventually send the killer to space, which they actually did in two instances. The best sequels have always been the ones that evolve on the original film, a fairly basic and simplistic concept that can be executed on in a variety of ways. Bigger and better effects, or fleshing out a narrative to provide more backstory or a new plot direction. In the case of The Return of the Fly, it's an example of a follow-up that neither delivers on bigger and better scares or narrative that justifies a continuation of the first film. Written and directed by Edward Burns, Return of the Fly picks up several years after the events of the first film, with Felipe Delambre, played by Brett Hazley, the son of the fly, burying his mother. Felipe is accompanied by his uncle Francois, once again Vincent Price returning to reprise the role from the first film. Price is the only cast member to return, and only agreed to do so after being impressed with the script that Burns had penned. More on that in a moment. Felipe is determined to continue his father's work with teleportation, and against his uncle's wishes, proceeds with the help of his shifty business partner, Ronald Holmes. Naturally, man once again dabbling with that which he does not fully understand has catastrophic consequences that don't bode well for the well-being of our protagonist. As I said a moment ago, Price only returned as he was impressed by the script, though this ended up amounting to an unintentional bait-and-switch, as once he agreed to the film, the studio enacted drastic rewrites to the script. And while specifics of the narrative avenues the plot could travel down are unknown, it wasn't the film Price signed up for, and what we ended up with is an unremarkable sequel. Before diving into the narrative shortcomings and its meandering pacing, the bizarre decision to shoot the sequel in black and white must be addressed. A perplexing decision to follow up the fantastical color-rich palette of the original film with black and white film had to be a result of the studio attempting to save a buck while cashing in on the notoriety of the original film. A maddening decision that truly undercuts the effectiveness of the sequel, as well as showing how little confidence the studio seemingly had or cared for Return of the Fly. This is backed up by the film being written to reuse the sets of the original film, which on paper isn't necessarily a bad thing, but when paired with an underwhelming narrative and the black and white presentation, it feels more lazy than resourceful. The only positive about the black and white presentation is that once again, Shout Factory's Blu-ray transfer is absolutely gorgeous. Rich detail pops out of every frame, it's just a shame the narrative isn't as strong as the restoration itself. 
Where the narrative differs from the original is that Felipe's business partner, Roland, hatches a plan to steal his research, selling it to the highest bidder. This ultimately results in Roland using the teleporter to hide Felipe's body. After a scuffle, and in a sinister act, he throws a fly into the teleporter with him. This of course results in Felipe's unfortunately destined to suffer the same fate as his father, as he's transformed into the hellish, half-man, half-fly monstrosity, simply known as the Fly. While the makeup effects of the first film were impressive, again, the black and white here doesn't help the presentation. But ultimately, the failure lies in making the fly's limbs big as shit. A new side effect of the teleporter technology arises as test subjects come through with giganticism. We see this when a rabbit comes back twice its size, and when a human is crossed with a rabbit, and comes back with massive paws. There's also a particularly disturbing scene where a rabbit comes back with massive human hands. These two brief instances are perfectly acceptable in their desired effect of showing the horrors of technology when improperly used. But when it comes to the fly itself, the head is the size of a marching band drum, making it more laughable than scary. Then we watch as Felipe with this biggest shit head running through the woods, barely dodging trees as the police shoot at him, and it all begins to feel a bit absurd. The pacing of the narrative is also incredibly drawn out, featuring very little of the monster itself and focusing on Roland's double-crossing scheme. The film comes across as feeling ill-conceived, essentially telling a story that doesn't justify its own existence and skimping on what people want in a sequel, failing to meet the bigger and better ethos of horror sequels. I can't help but walk away feeling disappointed with the follow-up to The Fly. Even Vincent Price's performance cannot muster up the heart this sequel so desperately needs. The film should have focused on the haunting reality that the son's determination to finish what his father started ultimately will lead to him paying the price for his father's sins. Pair this with the lack of quality monster makeup, the monster's inadequate screen time, and reverting back to black and white ultimately makes Return of the Fly a disappointing follow-up to the classic atomic sci-fi horror of the original film. It's hard to recommend Return of the Fly to even the most hardcore fans of the fly. Next week I'll take a look at the third and final film in the original Fly trilogy, 1965's Curse of the Fly, which apparently doesn't actually have a fly monster in it. I'm not so sure that bodes entirely well for the film, but it does mean that there's only one more film between me and my revisit of Cronenberg's masterful remake of the original Fly. And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit, and I'll see you guys next week for more Daily Horror movie reviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram and at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.